Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we have Doctor of Natural Medicine, Dr. David Jockers. is going to be there. We're going to have setbacks in our life. We're going to have all kinds of challenges. We really need to create practices that help us bounce back from that, that help us deal with it, you know, and move through it. And fasting is something that will help you not only physically, right? And, and, and you know, scientifically, we're talking more about its, its physical benefits, but it really crosses over into the mental, emotional, and spiritual side as well. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hello, hello, Keto Camper. Okay, today's episode is with a legend in the keto functional health space, and that's Dr. David Jockers. You must know who this guy is. He is all over the internet. He has an amazing website, drjockers.com, and we go and deep dive into the ketogenic diet. This is kind of like a mini masterclass for all things keto. We talk about the importance of bile flow and bile function to break down the fat on your ketogenic diet, to remove toxins on your ketogenic diet, and why it's important to support the liver. And he's gonna give you some extraordinary tips that these, this is kind of um, a sneak peek into his brand new book coming out, which we'll talk about, but he reveals a lot of things in that book, which you could apply immediately to get more results with your keto results. We also talk about plateaus. What do you do when you reach a keto plateau? And he gives some amazing tips and he talks about foods that usually cause inflammation in in most people and foods that are the safer bets and so much more. So if you are following a ketogenic lifestyle or you're thinking about doing it, this is a mini masterclass and I can't wait to bring Dr. David Jockers on this podcast for you. And before I do, I want to thank you as I always do for choosing the Keto Camp podcast. Our mission here at Keto Camp is to educate, to inspire, 1 billion people on planet Earth, and I'm so grateful you chose this episode. Here's the stat out there. 150,000 people die every single day. Just knowing that stat, put your hand on your heart, breathe, feel that heartbeat. Yesterday, 150,000 people took their last breath. Today, 150,000 people will take their last breath. Tomorrow, the same thing. So that puts you in a state of gratitude because you're alive right now. You're listening to me speak. You're probably driving your car or walking your dog. That is something to be grateful for. Now, I just wanted to start right there because I am so grateful to have this platform, this opportunity to share this information that's transformational. So I'm grateful for you. Thank you. And anytime you find yourself stressed out, worrying, put your hand on your heart and say 150,000 people, it'll totally shift your perspective. This episode of the Keto Camp Podcast I would love for you to take a screenshot of it and post it on your Instagram and then tag me. My Instagram handle is at TheBenazadi. That is T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I. And when I see it, I'll be sure to share it on my story and we'll get some other keto campers following you back. 
Also, tag Dr. Jockers as well. His handle is at Dr. Jockers. So that's at Dr. Jockers. Please take a second here to pause the episode and leave it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or any platform you're listening to. Really, it really makes a big difference to help the algorithm get this show to more people and make an impact. You never know what simply writing a review can do to help other people in the world. So please do so if you haven't done that already. This episode of the Keto Camp Podcast is sponsored by my favorite keto oil, which is olive oil, but it has to be a high quality, fresh harvest, pressed olive oil that's organic, extra virgin. And that's why I recommend and I partner with Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. They are amazing. If you listen to the previous episode I had with TJ Robinson, who's the founder and an olive oil expert, taster, hunter, that was a fun episode. Go listen to that if you haven't done so already. This olive oil is my favorite because it's high in polyphenols and antioxidants, which helps your body reduce inflammation. So now your fat burning hormones could get into your cells, burn fat, feel good, live a long, healthy life, and it tastes delicious. So I use this olive oil. I get three bottles delivered to me every single month. I use it for cooking. It has high amounts of polyphenols. So heating it is it's protected by those polyphenols because what we want to look at are polar compounds and we talked more about that when I interviewed TJ. But I use it for cooking. I use it for salad dressings. I use it for dips. It is my favorite go-to olive oil. And we worked out a deal to get Keto Campers, those listening to the Keto Camp podcast, a $39 bottle of the Fresh Press Olive Oil Club for $1. That's it. If you head over to ketocampoliveoil.com, remember that's camp with a K, ketocampoliveoil.com, you can get that for one buck. All right, let's bring on the amazing, the one and only Dr. David Jockers. Dr. David Jockers is a doctor of natural medicine, functional nutritionist, and corrective care chiropractor. He currently owns and operates Exodus Health Center in Kennesaw, Georgia. He is the founder of drjockers.com, a website designed to empower people with science-based solutions to improve their health. Drjockers.com has gotten over 1 million monthly page views and is considered one of the most well-researched and easy-to-understand and read health websites in the world. Dr. Jocker's work has been published in various popular media outlets, including ABC, Fox News, The Hallmark Channel, Home and Family, and The Dr. Oz Show. Dr. Jockers, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Ben. So we were just chatting, and I was telling you how much I admire your work. I've been following your work for quite some time. You're doing amazing things out there for the ketogenic community, for the functional health community. And I want to talk all about that, your new book, your programs, and all things keto and fasting. But before we do, I'd love for you to share your story, your journey. How did you get to this point, David? Well, you know, my my mom was actually always very interested in health, and she was actually studying to be a massage therapist. She was a nurse, then studying to be a massage therapist, and eventually a naturopath, actually, all the way through my childhood. And we always had our own garden, grew a lot of our own stuff, things like that. But, um, you know, I always struggled with digestive issues. And uh, I was an athlete. And so, you know, I was always interested in performance. And I got into personal training. And my digestive issues just continually got worse. And I ended up actually developing irritable bowel. And here I was a personal trainer. I was trying to eat, you know, 6,000 calories a day because I was trying to maintain my muscle mass and everything. And uh, just eventually got to the point where it was like, I, I just had chronic diarrhea or constipation, just basically irritable bowel issues, ended up losing 30 pounds, even though I was trying to work out. So I went from roughly about 170 pounds down to 
almost 135 pounds. Wow. And um, I had orthostatic hypotension. I go from sitting to standing and I would get really, really dizzy. And so I had a chronic gut infection and um, nobody was talking about intermittent fasting at this time. And I just noticed when I didn't eat in the morning and I would literally, I, I, I would just drink a gallon of water between the time I woke up and usually noon. And then I would continue to drink and I ate my meals between three and seven. So that four hour eating window, I felt so much better. It was like, it was like a night and day difference. I started regaining my weight and, uh, you know, I just was listening to my body. I actually wasn't getting hungry until roughly around three o'clock or so. And then all of a sudden I get really hungry, eat, eat, you know, two big meals basically in that time frame. And, and I started regaining my weight, regaining my strength, my energy, and I just felt significantly better. And so that's how I discovered intermittent fasting. And, you know, basically I was in this stage where uh, at this point where I had started graduate school. So I had struggled with these digestive issues. I started graduate school, chiropractic college and intermittent fasting along with chiropractic care, along with cleaning up my nutrition really helped me overcome that. And, uh, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Dan Pompa, I was in school and he was teaching seminars. And so he was teaching this cellular healing diet at that time, which just to me made sense. It was like no grains. And so, uh, you know, before that, years before that, I was actually a vegetarian and I was eating oatmeal all the time, cereal, you know, all kinds of junk like that. And so when I went grain free, I noticed a big difference along with the intermittent fasting. So I started teaching this when I got out of school. And that was really my vision was to, to have a community wellness center. And I could really teach nutrition, chiropractic, and I was teaching workshops all the time. And uh, I was actually living in my clinic for my first two years. I was $150,000 in debt, and I was working around the clock, working really, really hard. And uh, I was very successful, but I wasn't taking care of my own body. And I actually developed skin cancer. And so uh, here I was looking at skin cancer on the right side of my nose. And skin cancer is actually what killed my grandfather. So he had a metastatic melanoma that spread throughout his body, destroyed his bones. So it actually metastasized. So I had it in my family. I grew up in Florida and I was, I've been exposed to a lot of sun, been sunburnt more than, than people should be because I grew up near the beach and I was surfing a lot and things like that. And uh, so I knew this was something that could kill me. And so even though I was a natural health doctor teaching these principles, I realized, hey, I need to learn more. I need to understand this stuff. And I had to create more balance in my life. And that was really a big factor. I was eating late at night. I was working late, eating late, things like that. And so I started researching nutrition for cancer and I came across this ketogenic diet. And this is back before really almost anybody was talking about it back in 2010, 2011, that time frame. And I came across Dr. Thomas Seyfried and a lot of his work. And uh, so I started implementing this and which was pretty close to what I was doing, but I was still, you know, like for me, I would, um, I would work all day and then I would binge eat on like Ezekiel bread with coconut and blueberries or something, you know? So it was just way more carbs than I, I could handle. Um, and so when I went on a ketogenic diet along with the intermittent fasting and, and along with just creating, you know, better sleep habits, reducing stress, creating more peace in my life and, you know, cleaning up my environment also getting, getting shower filter and water filter and different things like that. I was able to, to heal naturally from the skin cancer. Was it a melanoma? I never got it diagnosed. Uh, so I was just looking at it in the mirror and I thought it was acne at first and then it just got bigger and bigger and larger and asymmetrical. And I'm a doctor, so I know enough to know this is not normal. This shouldn't be there. And um, with my family history, I just realized, hey, this is something that could get a lot worse. And uh, that's when I basically took action here, started following ketogenic diet, 
re-implementing intermittent fasting because I implemented it in graduate school, saw big improvements, but never really understood how it was working. And so I would go on and off with it. So I re-implemented that along with ketogenic diet and along with, you know, the things, the other things I was talking about and I was able to, to heal naturally. And then from there, I started working with patients and using it and just saw really remarkable results. And I don't use it for everybody. However, I use it for, you know, a lot of, a lot of people. And I put out a lot of content over the years <laughs> on the ketogenic diet and how to use it and done a lot of interviews and whatnot. And, you know, it's just been remarkable just seeing how many lives have been transformed through this sort of nutrition practice and implementing the intermittent fasting as well. And I always tell people fasting is really the most ancient, inexpensive, and powerful healing strategy known to mankind. Because, I mean, it really is. When you really understand what's happening in the body when you fast, it's so powerful and it doesn't cost anything. And people have been doing it really since the beginning of mankind. So really powerful. And I used it to, to heal my own body and have seen so many other people see remarkable healing breakthroughs with it. Yeah, I'm one of them. I think it's it's my favorite tool in the health toolbox. It's such a powerful tool beyond weight loss, beyond those artificial benefits that you can get with fasting. So let's talk about it. What, what are some of your favorite benefits of fasting? Yeah, absolutely. Well, number one, I do intermittent fasting not for weight loss because I've never tried to lose weight. I'm, I'm very lean. I'm an ectomorph, which is very uh, narrow shoulders, right? Thin bones. And so I'm actually trying to maintain my weight. And I actually find that intermittent fasting helps me maintain my muscle mass as opposed to if I were eating three, four meals a day. Okay. So I actually notice it's easier for me to maintain my muscle mass. I do it for brain benefits more than anything. I just feel so mentally fresh and my brain is just sharp, mentally clear. I have sharp memory. I'm able to think sharply and quickly. And so I do it for the brain benefits, the energy benefits, and, uh, and again, I feel like I'm able to preserve my muscle mass. I feel stronger actually lifting when I'm in a fully fasted state. And so for those reasons, that's why I actually personally practice it. But, you know, I also enjoy it for uh, the ability, the mental emotional benefits of it too. Like, you know, I'm not driven like I used to be for food. I can go long periods of time without eating. So if I'm traveling, I never eat when I travel, uh, like on a travel day when I'm flying and things like that. And I have no need, need for it. I think all of us have some level of food addiction. I found that I'm more addicted to like a ritual. Like for me, the hardest meal to fast through is lunch. Okay, I can fast through dinner all the time. And I do it twice a week. I only do one meal a day, twice a week. Lunch is a harder one because it's like I'm working all morning. And it's like I, I want a break. You know, and it's kind of more of this ritual where it's like I want this break. I want to be able to like sit down and eat and just not really, you know, just take a break from work basically. And um, I think a lot, oftentimes we get addicted to different rituals that we have. And oftentimes those rituals revolve around food. And so just the ability to, to overcome that, I think is really powerful. You know, developing a sense of willpower, a sense of mental, emotional flexibility, I think is so powerful. It really builds resiliency. And ultimately, you know, the, the quality of our lives and our ability to bounce back from stress is really all about this resiliency that we, that we build. You know, stress is going to be there. We're going to have setbacks in our life. We're going to have all kinds of challenges. We really need to create practices that help us bounce back from that, that help us deal with it, you know, and move through it. And fasting is something that will help you not only physically, right? And, 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 you know, scientifically, we're talking more about its, its physical benefits, but it really crosses over into the mental, emotional, and spiritual side as well. It does. Every religion talks about fasting in, in their own way, right? 
and I, I also practice intermittent fasting and I also do block fasting once in a while for those reasons, for the reasons mental clarity, mental focus, because I'm not taking all this energy and resources and blood flow to process food. I'm using it for the task at hand. And I love how you said you didn't lose muscle with fasting. You actually gained it because your body knows what to do. It's going to uh, activate the sympathetic tone and activate your human growth hormone and preserve muscle mass. So there's a lot of myths out there. And I love how you just break it all down. And you've been teaching this before it was in vogue, before keto and fasting were one of the top search terms on Dr. Google. You were at the forefront of this, and I want to acknowledge you for that because you've been at this for a very long time. And I know all my listeners and most of my listeners know exactly who you are. For fasting, one of my favorite benefits is what you said, but also the cancer prevention benefits, the autophagy. Can you talk a little bit more about what happens in the body when you're not eating food, when you're not activating the growth mTOR pathway? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, your body body wants to heal itself. You know, our body was designed to heal itself. It just needs the right environment. And so when we are constantly stimulating insulin in our body, it we're not able to heal and repair. So that's more of a growth hormone basically that's that's taking place. And we're constantly telling the body to grow, right? So the insulin mTOR pathway. And when we stop eating, the body no longer has this elevated level of insulin, right? Uh, the mTOR pathway gets inhibited and we start to increase the amount of autophagy, right? Through a pathway, AMPK pathway. And autophagy is basically where we break down older, decaying cellular organelles. So just like we have organs in our body, such as our liver and our heart, within every cell we have organs in a sense, and they're called organelles. So we have things like the mitochondria, uh, the Golgi apparatus, the endoplasmic reticulum. And so all of these things need repair and they get damaged by oxidative stress. Just the process of metabolism, producing energy all the time, these things get damaged. And so we need a regular repair process or recycling process where we take these older damaged ones, use the raw materials to produce new healthier mitochondria, new healthier Golgi apparatus. And that's really what happens when we're fasting. So we fast, now we signal this pathway to repair the cells. And the body really wants to become very efficient. It's actually more energy efficient to repair cells than it is to produce new cells. And so the body hunkers down, starts repairing these cells. On top of that, we get better. Uh, we're, our bodies have, we have less oxidative stress that's taking place. We shut down the inflammatory gene pathways. Those all, all reduce. So we have less inflammation in our brain, less inflammation in our body. And we're really just in a healing mode. And uh, that's really what takes place there. And like you were talking about with the cancer prevention, we know cancer is driven by this constant signal to grow. And so when we remove that signal, now the body's able to get in, you know, basically repair itself, shut down that signal, get rid of the bad cells, and, uh, and turn them into new cells. And that's the cool thing. And, and the great thing about it is a lot of times, again, people are worried that they're going to lose muscle but your body gets this huge stimulus of human growth hormone to tell the body, you know, in a sense, a signal that says, hey, we want to preserve this lean body, body mass because, you know, the body's trained for survival. So it doesn't know that we are intentionally fasting. It just thinks, okay, there's no food around. We're in a, a time of famine and I need to be strong and I need to be fast so I can kill an animal, right? So I can, you know, basically be, be prepared for survival. And so we actually, believe it or not, will notice oftentimes an increase in strength. Like I actually have worked out after, you know, three-day fast, after a five-day fast and felt amazing. I thought I'm going to take it easy in the gym. And once I got going, 
actually felt amazing. Like I actually felt just as strong, if not stronger than I would have if I was fully fed. And so it's incredible what actually happens. And so unless you stop training, you know, training is the number one stimulus for muscle development, muscle growth. If you go a long period of time without training, you're going to atrophy. But if you're training while you're fasting, you'll actually maintain your muscle mass and your body instead will be burning the, the fat. Obviously, there's going to come a time, you know, you, you continue to do this, you know, especially for thinner people. You know, if you're doing a, an extended fast, there's going to come a time where your body actually is going to need some fuel. But you can go a lot longer than you probably think you can before that that happens. I love it. Yeah, you're right. Because there's an art to this. There's, and I talk about it all the time. There's an art between mTOR, growth, anabolic, and autophagy, catabolic, but in a, in a good way, breaking down, repairing cells. We don't want too much of either because when we look at bodybuilders, they're always an mTOR and they live younger than the average person. And we look at um, too much autophagy, you're going to lose. Once the body's done with the bad stuff, it's going to need energy, like you said, and it'll start breaking down the good stuff. And we don't want that. So I love that you pointed that out. Undervalued benefit of fasting is it's a discipline that we develop throughout our day to not have to, we don't have to eat every two to three hours. Like you said, it's a, it's a relief. But that discipline transfers, I believe, to other areas in our life. I believe all disciplines transfer. So if you could develop that discipline, it'll transfer to another discipline. So I love it for an entrepreneur. I love it for all humans, but especially for an entrepreneur. You talked about our cells, the mitochondria, produces energy, produces ATP. We have 70 trillion cells in, our, in the body. It's doing this every single second. What produces more byproducts? What takes more of a, a longer process, burning glucose, sugar as our primary fuel source, or burning fat and producing ketones? What produces more energy? What's a longer process? Well, glucose is a very fast process that we can do when we don't have the presence of oxygen, so anaerobic respiration or anaerobic metabolism without the presence of oxygen. Whereas burning fat, especially if you take a full fatty acid and take it through, you know, basically the mitochondria and through the electron transport system, through the Krebs cycle, then it's going to take a lot longer. Okay. And we also need the presence of oxygen. Now, the good thing is we can also utilize ketones, which are a little faster to produce energy from than the fatty acids. So in a sense, glucose is the fastest, ketones are second, fatty acids are third, okay? And the difference is that ketones and fatty acids will produce significantly more energy with less uh, metabolic waste than glucose. So glucose produces energy quickest, that's its advantage and without oxygen, but it produces a ton of metabolic waste. So you think about a car that, you know, has good performance, but unfortunately it has, you know, a ton of carbon emissions and really, really bad gas mileage, you know, terrible for the, uh, the environment. Okay. As opposed to a car that gets even better performance and has low carbon emissions and really great gas mileage, you know, like a Hummer or something like that, that gets hundred miles a gallon. Right. So it's like, it'd be the ideal car, you know? And so that's basically what we're doing when we're using ketones and fat for fuel. Really, the only time we really want to be burning glucose for fuel is when we're doing intense exercise, okay? Or possibly like a big performance or something along those lines. We might need a little bit more, you know, our body will naturally elevate the glucose because it will release more cortisol, right? More stress hormones, a sympathetic nervous system will be activated to get the blood sugar up when we're ready for a big performance. So why we get a little bit nervous sometimes or, you know, for a workout as well. And then also if we do have like a carb cycle or we have a little bit more carbs in our, in our diet, or if we do, you know, like a feast famine cycle and we have more 
uh, higher carbohydrate meal or just a lar larger amount of food, we want to be able to burn up that glucose pretty quickly, you know, within an hour or two or so. So those are the times where we want to be able to utilize glucose. We want to be really flexible or metabolically mm -hmm. flexible where we're good at switching back and forth. So when we don't have the presence of food, okay, our body's really good at burning fat or ketones for fuel. But when food's prevalent, okay, or if we're under those, you know, circumstances where we're exercising at a real high intensity, we're really good at using glucose for fuel. Yeah, great, great comparison right there. You broke it down so well. And you're right. The key is metabolic flexibility. The way I teach keto is keto flexing, the way Dr. Pompa taught me. I personally don't want somebody to stay in ketosis for long term. I want them to have the flexibility to go back and forth, but teach them how to burn fat as their primary fuel source, but not their only fuel source. And you talked about that at the beginning. You think keto is great, but you don't have everybody follow a ketogenic diet. Let's talk about keto. I mean, you have a lot of information out there, and we'll talk about your new book coming up as well about keto. What are the best foods to eat on a ketogenic diet and, and why? Well, obviously, as a practicing functional medicine, I've realized that you know one man's superfood could be another man's poison, basically, right? So sometimes it needs to be a little bit customized. But in general, the foods that I find that people really seem to do the best with are going to be your grass-fed meats, so like grass-fed beef, grass-fed lamb, bison, also your poultry, right? So getting it organic, uh, naturally raised organic eggs, avocados are really good, olives, olive oil, green leafy vegetables, nuts and seeds can be really helpful. Dark chocolate that's unsweetened can be really helpful as well. And, um, you know, things like celery, cucumbers, lemons and limes. I'm a huge fan of using lemons and limes uh, as well because they are a fruit. You get really a lot of the benefits of fruit you're going to get most, I really say would say most of the benefits of fruit you're going to get from something like lemons or limes and they don't have any sugar in them. Okay. And the fact that they're sour, sour foods naturally are going to actually, we, we always say bitter is good for the liver. And these sour foods are really, really good for stimulating digestive juice production. So helping stimulate stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzyme production. And this is something that's really, really important when it comes to digestive process. And most people have no idea how to stimulate these things. So drinking something like apple cider vinegar and water or lemon or lime and water throughout the day or like right before a meal, maybe 15 minutes before a meal, having a little bit of that can really help stimulate the digestive juices. I'm also a big fan of putting lemon or lime or apple cider vinegar on your food. So if you're eating meat, eating vegetables, the acids in there will actually pre-digest the meat and the vegetables. And vitamin C, our lemons also have vitamin C and, and also uh, bioflavonoids, which help to improve your oxygen delivery to all your cells. They actually improve your capillary permeability. And so they take stress off the endothelial lining of the blood vessels, which again helps you drive more oxygen into the deep parts of your body. So you want to get that into your system. So I'm a huge fan of using lemons and limes, squeeze them on my meat, on my vegetables. It makes food taste better that way. And again, the benefits that you would get from any other fruit, you're going to get from the lemons and limes without the sugar. Okay. And we always have to consider anti-nutrients. And if we take in too much sugar at once, that's going to actually deplete more nutrients than you know whatever it's bringing with it. And so lemons and limes don't do that. So the net cost is very low, 
right? But the net gain is great because those organic acids are great for the gut. They're great for stimulating these digestive juices. They make food taste better and you got the vitamin C and, and the bioflavonoids. So my favorite fruit are lemons, limes, avocados, and olives, believe it or not. And then also, you know, if, if you are metabolically flexible, right, or if you're looking to carb cycle, berries are a great source because berries do, will elevate your blood sugar, okay? And consuming too many berries will not allow your body to get into ketosis. However, again, they also provide a, a, a tremendous amount of nutrients. They taste good. So you get a good benefit from that as well. So those would be some of the best. Oh, grass-fed butter. I forgot that as well. Grass-fed butter is one of the best. You've got vitamin right A. Oh, there you go. Exactly. So you got tons of fat-soluble vitamin A. And this is something that most people are not getting enough of in our society is fat-soluble vitamin A. So a lot of times we think about vitamin A, we think about carrots, okay? Um, and carrots provide a source, but it's, it's an inferior source. It's beta-carotene. Your best source of vitamin A is your fat-soluble retinol, which you're going to find in your egg yolk, in your grass-fed butter, organ meats have it. So those are really the best sources. And so grass-fed butter is something great. We use it all the time as, as a family. And you can put it on your vegetables, like things like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. These sorts of vegetables are great ketogenic foods, very low carbohydrate, very low impact on your insulin levels and uh, loads of nutrients in them, and they're great carriers for butter, right? So mm -hmm. you just kind of make your Brussels sprouts, right? Melt a bunch of butter in there or broccoli with butter, and they taste great. People are always saying, well, how do you get kids to eat vegetables? And I, and I always say, you know, you just kind of put enough butter on there, right? <laughs> and they'll enjoy it. So that, and then herbs, you know? So I use a lot of herbs, basil, oregano, thyme, rosemary. So these Mediterranean-style herbs are really good because they're aromatic and any sort of good smelling herb is helping stimulate your digestive juices. And you want to do everything you possibly can to prioritize good digestion. You know, our, our gut lining is only one cell wall thick. And um, when we have inflammation or if we're eating too quickly or eating the wrong types of foods, it's going to damage that gut lining and cause permeability. And, and that's going to increase inflammation in the body. And so when we're doing things that naturally stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system, like smelling herbs, believe it or not, stimulates your vagus nerve, stimulates the production of stomach acid, bile, pancreatic enzymes. These things are going to allow you to get the optimal digestion, which is going to reduce the amount of bacterial fermentation that takes place in the small intestine. And that's important because the small intestine is probably the most sensitive area of your digestive tract. Okay, and a lot of people develop small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or they have parasites in their small intestine, or they have fungal overgrowth in there, and that causes a tremendous amount of issues. So smelling good quality herbs, cinnamon is another good one, ginger is another great one. So smelling these herbs, eating them, right? So chewing on some, some ginger, for example, or you know, drinking them, like, like drinking some, a little bit of lemon water or something like that, putting them on your food. All these things are going to help optimize your digestion, take stress off your gut, help you absorb your nutrients better, and really help you get the best benefits from your diet. That's such great advice, especially for somebody who's considering going keto in, in 2020. Great advice for beginners. Actually, in my Keto Camp Academy, I have a 28-day keto jumpstart. And week one is, hey, 
Bitters are better. We need to stimulate bile flow so you could break down the fat. So I have a lot of those foods included along with coffee. Coffee is a great way to stimulate the bile as well. Cranberries in moderation could stimulate it. And another bonus tip to stimulating healthy bile production, it'll help remove toxins when you burn fat and release toxins into the bloodstream. So that tip right there is golden. You, you broke yeah, down Yeah, really super well. important. And, and bile also sterilizes the small intestine. So and bile and, and stomach acid work hand in hand together. And there's so many people that have low stomach acid. And those same things that help stimulate bile stimulate stomach acid. Radishes, artichokes, okay? These things are great. Dandelion, cilantro, mm -hmm. parsley, easy things that you can apply, that you can put in your meals that will really help. Yeah, I love it. Phenomenal tip. Okay, let's continue with keto here. What is the biggest mistake that you see on the ketogenic diet? You know, good question, because uh, there's a lot of mistakes that people make. If I were to narrow it down to one, I would probably say not including enough of these herbs is probably what I would say. You know, I would say that would be the number one thing is people are sticking to, you know, just eating a lot high amount of dairy products oftentimes, right? So lots of cheese and lots of meat and, you know, not enough herbs, okay? And so I would recommend definitely applying those you know, even if you feel better with less vegetables, I mean, there are, are people, you know, just with, with gut issues that do poorly with broccoli and cauliflower and things like that. These people still respond well by doing ginger tea, by adding oregano and basil and thyme to their meat, right? And things like that. So really working, working on getting more of these herbs into the system, I think, um, is, is so important. Yeah, great tip. What, what are some things somebody can do? Let's say they've been following the ketogenic diet for six months and they hit a weight loss plateau and they still have about 50 pounds or so they want to get off the body. What are some tips you can give for this person? Yeah, a couple things. So I always say, okay, first thing we got to do, if you're hitting a plateau, whether it's your energy, your mental function, or your weight loss, the first thing you got to do is really figure out why that is. And so I put people in different camps, okay? Number one is, are you actually getting into ketosis, right? So some people think they're following a ketogenic diet, but they're actually not getting into nutritional ketosis. And we define that as, you know, if you're testing blood, which is the gold standard, it's 0.5 to, you know, roughly three millimoles, okay? Obviously, it can go up higher than that. However, that's very rare unless you're doing an extended fast. So you should fall in that range. You should at least have 0.5 millimoles of ketones in your blood, to know that you're actually in nutritional ketosis. When you're in ketosis, you should not have cravings, okay? You should feel very mentally clear and energetic, okay? If you're in ketosis, but you're not feeling energetic, okay, you're not feeling really, you don't have really good mental function, you may have uh, a thyroid issue. So I've seen that many times, right? And so one thing I always look at with clients is I look at the outer third of their eyebrows, okay? If that's thinning, that's kind of a telltale sign that there could be a thyroid issue going on. You may have had an underlying thyroid issue to begin with, okay? Or your body may be responding to prolonged ketosis. For some people, not everybody, but for some people, when your insulin drops too low for too long, you don't get enough conversion of your inactive thyroid hormone T4 into your active T3. And then when you don't get enough active T3, and your body's really trying to do that to preserve muscle mass, so there's, there's intelligence there, However, um, if you don't get enough for you know, a long enough period of time, you might start losing hair, you might, not feel, you might feel more sluggish, you might hit a weight loss plateau. And that's where periodic carb cycling can be beneficial because you might need a little insulin bump. You're, you might need a periodic you know, hit, an increase of insulin. 
Okay, so that's important. And you could take two people living in the same house. You could take a husband and wife living in the same house, following the same diet. The husband's more, let's say, more insulin resistant, and he's doing great in ketosis, feels amazing, doing excellent because it's suppressing his insulin, and he feels good that way, and he's getting enough thyroid hormone. He has enough insulin to get enough thyroid hormone conversion, whereas the wife is not getting enough insulin, right? So her insulin's dropping too low, not getting enough insulin, not getting that thyroid hormone conversion, and she's feeling terrible, okay? And you can test your fasting insulin, right? You can get blood work done. If you ask your doctor, maybe they'll do it. <laughs> if you're working with a functional doctor, they should be doing it, testing your fasting insulin. Usually we want to see it roughly between two and five. And I've seen a lot of people where they're under one in some, some cases, right? Or 1.5. And now that alone to me isn't like a big clinical finding, but I'll ask them, how do you feel? If you feel amazing and your insulin's that low, it's probably working for you, okay? But if you're not feeling good, we may need a little bit more and you're on a low-carb diet, we may need a little bit more cycling in there. Also on top of that, you could take things like thyroid glandulars, okay? Which you can get as supplements. I have one called Thyroid Strong that I've helped a lot of people with, right? It's basically bovine, so that's, that's beef-based, thyroid gland, okay, along with some different herbs that help stimulate thyroid thyroid hormone and, and selenium and some th things like that, <clears throat> they can work really, really well. So I've seen that work for a lot of people, that can really help. Uh, another big thing would be food sensitivity. For some people, they're sensitive to coffee, for example, right? I see that as a common sensitivity. Even though coffee is has a lot of health benefits, for some people, they have a sensitivity to it and it's causing a stress response in their body. But you could have a sensitivity to anything. Could be eggs, could be dairy. The things that I see on a ketogenic diet that I'm most suspicious of when somebody hits a plateau are dairy, particularly not the butter, but the dairy protein, so cheese. So somebody's eating a lot of cheese, I'll say, okay, let's try going a week without the cheese, all right? And just see how you feel. See if you notice an improvement, okay? If they don't notice improvement and thyroid looks good, Okay, then we'll say, okay, let's try the eggs. Let's take out the eggs and see how you do. Okay, and kind of taking out one thing at a time to try to see what's causing the stress. Obviously, we can run a test, okay, although I think food sensitivity tests oftentimes can be flawed. Somebody may still be having reactions, even though it's, you know, there could be a, you know, false negative. Um, and there also sometimes there's false positives there as well. Um, but it can give you a clue if you run a test. But eggs, dairy, nuts for some, some individuals, some individuals, it's nightshade vegetables, which you're already taking out potatoes, which are a nightshade, tomatoes are a nightshade, but bell peppers, which I, I thoroughly enjoy, you can do a little bit of bell peppers and stay in ketosis. And they're kind of a nice complement to a ketogenic diet. But if you're reacting to nightshades, like 24% of the population does, that wouldn't be a good one for you. Or you might be putting like chili pepper on your food mm -hmm. or something like that. These are all nightshades that can be an issue. So those are the areas that we want to look at first. Chocolate would be another one, right? So those would be the things that we want to look at first. People are typically having more issues with those than they would be with like broccoli, for example. So we want to kind of basically do a modified elimination diet where we just kind of eliminate one thing at a time to see if that's happening. And there are self-tests you can do as well. Like uh, in my book, Keto Metabolic Breakthrough, I talk about pulse testing. So basically, you can put a food on your tongue, for example, and we'll take your pulse first, okay? Then you go ahead, you take, let's say it's an almond, you put it on your tongue, okay? You let it sit there for about five or 10 seconds so the body can register it, you take your pulse again, 
Okay. And you can use, you know, apps now to take your pulse. And if you see it jumping up, right, that's a sign your body's having a sympathetic response to that, right? So that would obviously not be good. You can also do muscle testing. Okay. And of course, these, again, they're not necessarily like muscle testing may have subjective issues with it. But hey, if you feel like you're going weak, okay, probably your, you know, your body's probably not reacting well to that food. Okay. So you can do some self tests as well to see, and then you could just do the elimination diet and see how you feel. So food sensitivities are, you know, again, are a big issue. Now, some individuals don't really have the diet dialed in, not an issue with their thyroid, their in ketosis, but they just need more stress on their body. They don't have enough stress on their system. So they actually need to implement intermittent fasting, which is a great way. It's a hormetic stress, meaning that it's a stress that makes you stronger. Okay. So they actually need to do a little bit more intermittent fasting or possibly an extended fast to help ramp up fat burning, or they need to exercise regularly, right? Some people are, you know, not following a ketogenic diet, not moving enough. So they need to exercise more. And you can also stress your body with temperature changes. In fact, that's one of the most stressful things on our system. This is why in the fall, they call it the cold and flu season. But believe it or not, the same viruses that contribute to the cold and the flu we're breathing them in all the time throughout the whole year. However, what happens in the fall? We get a big weather change. You don't in Miami. <laughs> weather never changes there. But, you know, if you're from a northern climate, you get, a, you get weather change. And so, like here in Atlanta, the weather will drop 30 degrees overnight. And that's a significant stressor on the body. And so, if we're not sleeping well, our blood sugar's elevated, our insulin's elevated, we're under stress – and then we're going out and experiencing that and we're not as resilient and we're not as, you know, we're, we're, we've got a higher level of what's called allostatic load on our system to begin with, which means basically our body's being compressed with stress, then we're not going to respond well and we may end up developing a, an infection and getting a cold fever or flu. So temperature change can be big and you can use it strategically for short periods of time as well to help stimulate greater resiliency. Like, for example, I'll take the last 30 to 60 seconds of my shower and, do, and go cold, okay? So I get in, I'm warm, I've got the soap, you know, do, do everything I need to do, and then boom, I shoot it on cold because I want my body to be able to adapt to that sudden weather change, okay? Another thing I like to do is go in a sauna, which is obviously, you know, increased heat, and I, I typically get my infrared sauna up to like 140 degrees, and it's hot in there. And so my body's now got to adapt to the heat. And not only am I getting the benefit of sweating out toxins and infrared, which can penetrate deep in my system, but I'm also really challenging my stress response system to adapt to the, the heat as well. So these are like hormetic stressors. These stressors help move us into a place where we have greater resilience and they can unlock greater fat burning and improved energy. Like I always feel amazing. I feel like a million bucks after I get out of the shower when I go cold. Now, I never want to do it. I'm never like, oh, I can't wait for this psychologically. But once I do it and once I adapt, you know, the first, I would say 15, 20 seconds are the hardest. After that, it's like you, you almost go numb. And then you get out and you're like, wow, just this huge rush of endorphins. You feel so mentally clear. Your blood flow is better. You got better oxygen delivery to your brain. You feel so good. So it's, it's every time I'm like, oh, that was so worth it. 
those are some great tips. I mean, the bottom line is there is no cookie cutter approach to this. We got to experiment. And you said adaptation is the key. When we force this adaptation, the good cells get stronger. The bad cells don't adapt. And we get this mitochondrial fitness and all, all roads lead to cellular health. So I love that. You gave some amazing strategies there. You touched upon your book. So your book is called The Keto Metabolic Breakthrough. It's going to be out in January 2020. Tell us about your new book. Yeah, so it's really a functional medicine approach to the ketogenic diet, right? And so I go through all the, the, the biggest myths involving the ketogenic diet. I go through really how to biohack your body to get into ketosis, how to carb cycle strategically, and I go through plateaus, right? So I talk a lot about how to overcome thyroid issues, how to improve bioflow, stomach acid production, enhance your digestive tract. Uh, in your digestive system. I talk about the hormetic stressors that you need in order to adapt effectively. And so I go through that. I also have you know, a really helpful quiz that helps somebody just identify where they're at when it comes to um, hitting a plateau, right? And one area I didn't even talk about was adrenal issues, right? Just um, being overwhelmed with stress, right? Like if you are following a ketogenic diet, but you would describe your life as overwhelming with stress, okay, then you're probably actually not even getting into ketosis, okay? Because if you have too much stress on your system, then you're going to have too much cortisol, too much stress hormone release, and that's going to consistently keep your blood sugar up. And so for a lot of people, they're like, I'm following this diet, but I just can't seem to lose weight, or I, I'm, I, you know, when I'm testing my, my blood ketones, I'm not getting into ketosis. And oftentimes, because they're not sleeping right, they are under chronic stress, right? And those things are going to negate the ability to get into ketosis. So I go through all of that in the book, really how to troubleshoot all these different issues and how to identify what area is holding you back. Um, and then on top of that, I also offer a ton of great recipes as well that you can put into action. Yeah, it sounds like a great book. I can't wait to read it. Uh, what's the release date for the book? Yeah, it's January 28th. It's available for pre-order now on, on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, really anywhere books are sold. And January 28th, yeah, it'll be out in bookstores and, uh, and obviously be able to, to get it online as well. I'll put a link for it in the notes of the podcast. Go check it out. I highly recommend Dr. Drucker's work. As you can tell from this episode, he's such a brilliant mind when it comes to all these ancestral healing principles. So... Uh, I have my rapid fire questions. Are you ready to get through this with me? Yeah, okay. sounds good. So we'll go quick as possible here. What is your favorite keto food? Um, avocado. What's your favorite non-keto food? Good question. I like uh, I like chocolate bars. I, I'm a huge fan of chocolate, so you know. Uh, any sort of chocolate bar would be great if it doesn't have you know if it has sugar in it. Obviously, it wouldn't be keto. Yeah, so like a milk chocolate type of bar? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something like that. What's the first thing you think of in the morning when you wake up? Just gratitude. Just how thankful I am for my life, for where I'm at, for my salvation, for you know, just everything God's doing in my life. My, my wife, my kids. Beautiful. What's the best piece of advice you've ever heard? I would say stay grateful. I would say be grateful, you know, and because I think honestly, the more that you can focus on what you're, you're grateful for, you know, the less stress it, it, you have in your life and you're able to really just be more present uh, with where you're at. And you're able to see things with a, with a particular perspective that allows you to not get overwhelmed. I love it. Gratitude heals. Speaking of which, let's just, what are five things you're grateful for right now? Well, I'm grateful to meet you, Ben. I think you got a great community 
and um, you're doing great work. So I'm grateful for just the opportunity to have this great conversation with you. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my home that I'm living in. Grateful that we're able to connect online, just the internet like this right here and be able to talk with, you know, thousands of people that are listening to this interview. It's so amazing. And, uh, and I'm grateful that I'm able to, uh, you know, really be able to do what I love to do, which is research topics, apply. I'm a biohacker by nature. So I'm constantly applying things to improve my own performance. And then I enjoy being able to just create great content around those things, things that I think are going to really move the needle for people. So yeah. I'm grateful for all those things. Grateful for my family as well, of course. I love it. I'm also grateful for you. What was your favorite TV show growing up? Growing up, you know, I used to like MacGyver back yeah. in the day. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, totally. <laughs> First one that came to, my, came to mind. Yeah, great. So I used to really enjoy that. Last question on the rapid fire is, if you had one superpower, what would that superpower be? Um, you know what? I think it would be just being able to dispel lies, you know, like I've been um, a couple things that, that my wife and I have been supporting have been human trafficking, which, you know, we have just a real heart for um, putting an end to that. So crazy how, how big, how rampant that is. And then also, you know, just lies about vaccines, you know, and so I would say, I don't know if it's a superpower, but, um, you know, being able to speak truth and uh, influencing the world with that. So to some degree, I'm able to do it. But uh, if we're able to make an even bigger impact with those things, I think that would be great. Yeah, that that would be a phenomenal superpower. Okay, so we have uh, a few minutes to go. I'm done with the rapid fire. I have a couple more questions for you. And then we'll wrap up this great interview. What is your definition of perfect health? I would say it's the ability to perform at your optimal level, meaning you just feel like you're a 10 out of 10 with your energy, your mental clarity your emotional stability, you know, and your physicality. You're able to do all the things that you need to do from a physical perspective as well. You're able to go from sitting to, you know, sprinting. Uh, You're able to be able to handle a lot of stress in your life and have the emotional stability to be able to deal with it and bounce back. Okay, I think all of those things are really important. So yeah, I would say that's your optimal health. Yeah, I love it. What out of all the things you're working on, because you have summits, you have your new book, you're you're always putting out great work. What's the most exciting thing that you're working on at the moment? Um, you know, I, I would just say just really researching different topics, right? With my I have two writers that I work with and uh, we we put together the content. And you know, I, I've been doing this now for years and I still get so excited every time we publish a new article. I'm like, wow this is really a great work of art. And so that's something my blog is just, it's been, I think I have like 30 books in that blog, you know, if not more. And so I think I'm really excited about that. I'm excited about the keto metabolic breakthrough. I think I personally have read so many different keto books and I'm friends with many of the authors, but I really think this is the best keto book. So I'm really excited to get that out to the world. And um, I'm starting to work on my new book. It's, it's called the fasting transformation. So really diving deeper into intermittent fasting, extended fasting, and how it can transform somebody's life. So excited about all those things. Yeah, I'm excited about all that as well. Uh, uh, your, your website's phenomenal. So the listeners, where can they go find out more about your information? Yeah, you can find out about me on my website, drjockers.com. I'm also on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. Yes, I recommend you go to the website. You go read those articles. Like you said, he's got a lot of content on there. And your YouTube channel is also great. You've got a lot of uh, content on there as well. Dr. Doctors, I want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing in this world. 
Uh, you've been a pioneer for many, many years, a, a trailblazer. I really admire your work ethic, your business mindset, but most importantly, your heart and all the people you have helped, myself included, and all of the members of the Keto Camp Academy, all of my community, you have uh, your fingerprints all over that. And I just love what you're doing. You talk about real health. You talk about ancestral principles. You talk about what it takes to live a long, healthy life, which I believe we were designed to do so. So I wanted to say thank you for spending part of your, your day with me here on the Keto Camp Podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. I love what you're doing. And I just wanted to acknowledge you and say thank you so much. Well, thank you, Ben. That means a lot. And, uh, and same to you. Thank you so much for getting the word out and uh, making a difference with your podcast, your videos, and everything that you're doing. I hope you enjoyed that with Dr. Jocker. As you can tell, he is just a wealth of information. This was an amazing keto masterclass that you got to share with somebody who, who you know who's following keto. If you want to watch the video version of this interview, head over to youtube.com slash ketocamp and the video version of this interview with Dr. Jockers is posted on that channel. Again, I want to remind you to take a screenshot of this episode of the Keto Camp Podcast and tag me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at thebenazadi, T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I. When I see it, I'll share it on my Instagram story and we'll get some other keto campers following you back. Also, give a tag to Dr. Jockers over at at Dr. Jockers, Dr. Jockers. Reminder to leave the show a rating and review. If you haven't done so, it really makes a big difference for the show. And if you want to claim my 12-page ebook, which is a 12-page guide to teach you how to burn fat instead of sugar, how to pair intermittent fasting, how to do clean keto versus dirty keto, then head over to ketokickstartsguide.com for a free download of this 12-page ebook. You also have a keto meal plan and grocery guide in there ketokickstartguide.com. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. You'll hear me on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.